to a new week, which is crazy because this is, I think, technically almost our last week of May. I know June starts next week, so we're, we're just rounding out the month of May. Time is flying, which means we're getting closer to OTAs. We're getting closer to minicamp, a.k.a. phases three and above of the Bengals' voluntary workouts. Should be a lot of fun, and there is a lot to talk about with that. Welcome into another Monday edition of the Strictly Stripes podcast. Muhammad Ahmad and Andrew Gillis and Mike Nizek back with you, hitting the trifecta once again. Got all three on the podcast today. And before we get going, I want to remind you guys, I mentioned this Friday when Andrew was on, but we're doing something really cool with Cleveland.com, and we want you, the fan, the listener, the reader, to tell us why you are a Bengals fan. Go to Cleveland.com slash Bengals, or better yet, Go to strictlystripes.com. There's uh, an article titled, Why Are You a Bengals Fan? It's something along those lines. You'll see it. Click on it. It's a Google form. Explain when you became a fan, why you became a fan. We'll share the responses on this podcast. And maybe, just maybe, if some responses are enticing enough, we might get you on the podcast. So you are going to be the star of the show. So if you want to be the star of the show and you want to be showcased, go to strictlystripes.com and tell us why. You love the Bengals. So obviously, like we mentioned, guys, we're still in phase two of uh, voluntary workouts right now. And that'll be the case until we get to OTAs, which kick off June 6th. Um, and I know we talked, I think, at this time last week about, you know, projecting the 53-man roster. What is the 53-man roster going to look like? And without sort of revisiting that, I want to kind of look at who really has a lot to prove uh, before training camp with these voluntary workouts. Um, so kind of revisiting some of those names that are most vulnerable, I want to kind of toss those names back to you guys today. And I think if you think about guys who are on the bubble, and when I say on the bubble, I'm saying on the bubble of like they have a good chance of not making the team if they don't you know, showcase what they're really capable of in training camp. I mean, I think of two guys. Two guys I think of are Trent Taylor and Deontay Smith because with Trent Taylor – you have Charlie Jones right behind you and Deontay Smith. He's kind of been somewhat of a failed project. And it is just such a bloated uh, room, such a bloated tackle room for the Bengals. I mean, how much on the bubble do you think those guys are? Like, could you see a situation where if they just don't prove themselves now leading in the training camp, does that make them more vulnerable to maybe not make the team moving forward? Well, I mean, with, with Deontay Smith, I, I, like we, we talked about it last week. I'm not sure that – He's in a great position right now, even if Leo Collins, you know, isn't going to be healthy for, for week one of the regular season. I mean, you got Orlando Brown, you got Jonah Williams, uh, obviously both or excuse me, Jonah is coming off a, uh, a knee surgery of his own, but it sounds like he's going to be ready for June. So if, if Jonah is going to be around, those are your two tackles. Uh, you would presume um, Jackson Carmen's there. He can play tackle. Leo Collins, uh, he's coming off an injury, but you, you know if he's still on the roster, you would assume that you know you would want to keep him around because we saw last year you always need offensive line depth. So you got Adenogy in there, you got Cody Ford in in there now. Like I, I just think Deontay Smith is in a real in real rough shape, just kind of the way that the roster is going to shake out. Um, you know, Trent Taylor is is an interesting case. Um, you know, it, it just kind of depends on on numbers for, for I think, the Bengals because you got your big three, you're keeping them. Charlie Jones, you're keeping him. Uh, Andre Yosivash. Uh, Yoshivas. No, so I asked him. He said oh, really? Yosivash. It ends Vosh. Yosivash. Yeah, so Vosh. Okay. Like V-O-S-H is how it ends. 
Okay, um, see Vosh, thank you for yeah, that. So, okay. Yeah, when I, I felt like an idiot when I asked him because, like, I feel like you should know how to pronounce somebody's name, but he, uh, he told yeah. me I was wrong. So, um, but you keep him. Um, so you keep the, so those are your five, and then you, I mean, you've got kind of options there because you would assume that you would want to keep a, maybe another guy in the slot, but you do need some outside receiver depth too because you know Charlie Jones is a smaller guy; he's going to play in the slot. Tyler Boyd can go outside, uh, you know, if Jamar Chase or T. Higgins gets hurt or, hurt or something like that or needs a breather. So I, I don't know. I think it's just going to come down to a numbers game. Do you want to keep six receivers? Um, I don't know if they'd keep seven for, for special teams reasons. Seven seems like a lot. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it just, you know, Taylor, it's going to come down to numbers and, and kind of how he, uh, how he can perform and, and what you kind of value, uh, value the offense at because, like I said, I don't think this team really was in trouble at tight end as much as people think, just because you can, you can kind of go around that and go five wide. You can do four receiver sets. You can do different things. So it it depends on that. And it depends on kind of how much, uh, how many receivers they want to keep on the 53. Yeah. And I mean, if you're talking about on the bubble, I mean, I think they're only keeping one punter. So whoever loses out, I think we've talked about that quite a bit uh, in terms of, you know, Drew Crispin, um would have to win the job i think to keep a roster spot um you know i don't know that they'll use a practice squad spot for that for a punter this year but you know anybody that they cut could be claimed elsewhere um so i mean i think that's kind of one spot to add to on the bubble per se i agree with about you know the the tackle situation's interesting i don't know that's deontay smith like he's the guy i mean it'll be a competition battle i think whoever's kind of the lowest guy in that spot or two, you know, Kima Denji, I think is that same sort of um, category that there's no reason that he would be ahead. I, I think necessarily of Gante Smith, I think it'll ever be, um, you know, went out uh, in, in uh, training camp. So with identity, that actually kind of leads to sort of my next category. I'm glad you mentioned that, Mike. So that's sort of on the bubble. I would put guys like Hakeem Adenogy, and I'll get to the other names, but like I would look at him as like a 50-50. Like, it's sort of a toss-up with him. I say that only because he's played longer, because uh, he's been around one year longer than Deontay Smith. He's played inside. He's played outside. I just think the problem with Smith is you only use him outside, and he's not as experienced and I know neither of them. I mean, there's a reason why both of them are backups. Neither of them is really all that good, but think Adenogy has a little bit more upside. I mean, do you do you consider Adenogy more of a 50-50 guy, or do you really think categorically you have to lump him with Deontay Smith? Or what, what do you think of that? And Andrew, what are your thoughts on that? I almost I almost think you kind of have to put Adenogy in that 50-50 spot, right? Uh, um, yeah, yeah no, I would. I, I, I think more experience that he hasn't been able to crack the lineup means he's had more of a chance, more training camps uh, to prove himself, and he hasn't. So... I don't think that's necessarily um, something in his favor here. Um, you know, like I said, I think they'll take the guy who's kind of playing best now. Um, so we'll kind of have to wait and see. But yeah, I would, I would not say he has any sort of uh, foothold or advantage over um, Deontay Smith. Yeah, no, I mean that's that is a good point actually. No, I didn't think about it like that because that's true. I mean, he has been around longer and he's been in more training camps, and so if you can't win out enough training camps then I guess you do have to put him in that category. But sort of kind of shifting to that 50-50 category, and hear me out on this. Um, this may sound more dire than it is, but it's really not, especially when I mention some of these names. But when I think of like a 50-50 where it's a toss-up, I think you have to put Cam Sample in that list, 
definitely have to put Chris Evans on that list. Uh, Stanley Morgan as well, kind of going back to the receiver room conversation. You can't forget about him because he's really mostly a special teams guy. So if you can't keep that many special teams guys, then you have to kind of put him as a toss up. And then again, this is where I say, hear me out. I think Trent and Irwin is a 50 50 because like Andrew said, um, you want to have someone behind Tyler Boyd in the slot, like Charlie Jones, but you need outside guys. The question is who and how many. And that's where I think it leans in favor of Irwin. But because he's just a backup on the depth chart, nothing's guaranteed. So obviously, I kind of put him in that category. But like when you look at those sort of fifty-fifty toss-up names, I mean, kind of starting with like Cam Sample. Like what? what do you, like what do you think the path forward is for him? Like is it basically just beating out Jeff Gunner, beating out Terrell Basham, and then just hoping you're behind Miles Murphy and Joseph Asai at that point? I mean, yeah, yeah the, the defensive end, uh, you know, battle is going to be tough because you're, you're going to keep your starting four, obviously. Uh, you're going to keep Murphy. You're going to keep Osai. There's six. Um, you know, you would assume, you know, maybe Carter and Tupo is eight. Uh, I mean, are you, are you, how many are you going to carry? You know, I think, you know, with Sample, it's, it's going to come down to, you know, how do they feel about these guys' versatility? You know, I mentioned on uh, on the pod before that, like, you know, they, they've used Trey Hendrickson interior uh, as an interior rusher before. Um, so if you're if you're comfortable doing that on third downs or something like that, um, you know, that could be an option. Maybe kind of let you add another defensive end. Um, but yeah, I mean, that it, it's going to come down to how many you want to keep. Do you want to keep seven? Do you want to keep eight? Do you want to keep nine? Because um, you know, right there, there's sample. Uh, Tufele's in the mix, Gunter's in the mix, Basham's in the mix, Sample's in the mix. Like it's it, it's gonna be that is probably gonna be the most interesting battle to watch. Um, that in the offensive line, um, just kind of in terms of you know who stays and who goes. Uh, not even for starting spot, just because again you're probably talking about a handful of guys for one, maybe two spots, maybe zero spots. It just, it kind of depends on how the roster numbers shake out. Yeah. I don't know if it's 50, 50. I think all those guys are on the bubble bubble because you got to prove yourself. Gunter for sure. Yeah, I agree. You You got to put them on a bubble. I I think that, um, you know, whether it's Stanley Morgan or Chris Evans, you know, I know at running back that some of these moves would probably cause them to go out and get somebody else. Um, You know, I think they're going to want four running backs, uh, going into the season. I think another guy that would be on that is Devin Asiasi. I don't think he played particularly well last season. He was a guy that they signed right after all the cuts in, in preseason. Um, you yeah. know, those are guys that could, could, you know, be replaced the same way. I think when, you know, you're looking at people um, getting cut loose by other teams and, and Bengals could go in a different direction. I think a lot of those guys, almost each, you know, at the, when you look at the bottom of the positions, there aren't few, there, there aren't very many that, no, I think guys are exempt from from getting from getting caught or losing out of a spot. Yeah, Asiasi uh, is interesting. I know we were thinking about it like, oh, he's going to be your number three guy because they didn't re-sign Mitchell Wilcox. But I mean, for as few snaps as he played, he didn't really do much. I mean, the one and only touchdown he should have had, I think, it was against the Dolphins. I think like that should have been a touchdown, and he didn't grab it. I mean, yeah, he didn't really do much other than block with how few times they played him. And I think that proves that maybe Brian Callahan's not lying when he says they really think Nick Bowers or Tanner Hudson can seriously compete for that third spot behind Irv Smith and Drew Sample. That's a good point. I think, yeah, with Chris Evans, like they're going to need four running backs, so it's not like they'd cut him loose and 
not get somebody on cut down day, they could swap him out. But that's the thing is like if he doesn't perform well enough to even be that number four guy, then yeah, you definitely you risk getting cut, not even making the practice squad, and then just yeah, someone picks you up, and then the Bengals get someone else off the waiver um, August thirtieth, whatever that cut down day is. And then Stanley Morgan is interesting because he's been on the team for what he's this is his fifth season now, but again, like. He's never really played much at wide receiver. I think he's only made like two catches in, in that span, which is not a knock on him. It just shows you like he's that far down the depth chart. And with special teams, I mean, you still have Joe Bocci. You still have Marcus Bailey. You can still use guys like Dax Hill like they did last year. Like they have numbers on special teams. They drafted Jordan Battle, obviously. It just gets to a point where like how many more guys do you really want or need? And that's the big question for Stanley Morgan. I'd say for Trent and Irwin, though, he's – I, w- I really don't know if it's fair to put him at 50-50. I think he will make the team. I just have to put that disclaimer because there's going to be competition nonetheless. But at the very, very least, this guy's on a practice squad. Like, I wouldn't put him anywhere close to the bubble. Here's the category that's interesting, though, beyond sort of on the bubble and toss-up, like, names. We know for sure, we know for certain, to the best of our knowledge, Trey Hendrickson and Joe Mixon are going to be Bengals in 2023. However, beyond 2023 is a question mark because if they don't perform um, like they're supposed to or as they should, then, yeah, we're going to have a conversation less than a year from now as to whether they're going to get cut or not. Because after this year, they're going to have one more year left on their respective deals. Um, So I would say kind of my question to you guys is, I mean, like I said, they're going to be on the team. They're going to be starters. We're not debating that. We already debated that a while back. But do they have to really prove – even before training camp that like these guys have the juice in 2023 to not only perform well, but like be on the team beyond 2023, or is that maybe thinking too far ahead? No, I don't think it's thinking too far ahead. Um, you know, with Mixon, I mean, Mixon's kind of got an uphill battle. Um, you know, we, we've discussed that, you know, all off season where, you know, his, uh, his cap hit was, you know, it was not, uh, not what you would want it to be going into 2023, um, you know, but the cap savings, you know, if you were to cut him, you know, you wouldn't really save that much because of the dead money. If you cut him before June 1st, if you cut him after June 1st, you would save a little bit more money. Um, you know, you would save just over $10 million in cap space. It would be just under $3 million in dead money. So, you know, you're talking about $7 million that you could have. But again, you know, one, they didn't really invest in running back in, in free agency or in the draft, you know, very heavily. So it's like, you know, where, where are you going to find a running back at that place? And, and also where are you going to spend the money? Um, but, you know, next year, if you cut him prior to June 1st, basically that's the savings that you would cut or you would get cutting him after June 1st. You know, you would uh, caps, uh, the cap savings would be $10.3 million, dead money, $2.75 million. So Mixon, Mixon's got a lot to prove because he's at a position of, you know, um, uh, 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 not a high leverage position. It's it's a position where he's making a decent amount of money, and with these guys coming up on contracts, you know that's that's not great. The Hendrickson thing is interesting because you know you always could use more pass rushers. Everybody talks about that. You need pass rushers. You need this. You need that. But going into next year, he's going to make seventeen and a half mil against the cap, and if you cut him prior to June first, you save fifteen million dollars. Uh, there's actually no difference if you cut him prior to or after June 1st. So, you know, saving $15 million against the cap with only $2.5 million of dead money, you cut Mixon and Hendrickson next March. I mean, you're saving a lot of money. You're saving $20 million. Oh, yeah. There's T. Higgins. 
Like th- that's kind of the way that you, I think, have to think about this. Yeah, and I don't think Henderson was at risk. I mean, the dead cap was eight million dollars. There was no way he was going to get cut uh, this year. Um, oh, for but sure, I think yeah. next year, obviously, he has um, you know the writings on the wall with them drafting Miles Murphy um, and them needing cap savings um, for Mixon. Mixon, I think the you know there's some risk this year because there are a lot of running backs out there that you know uh, in theory could replace him if. if you know, something went awry and he was just, you know, not good in training camp. I still think that, ha- you know, that would be kind of a uh, crazy left turn. But I mean, there are some guys, I mean, the market for running back sort of weird. I mean, they've still got um, what Kareem Hunt's out there, a couple other guys that were starters. Ezekiel Elliott's still out there. Ezekiel Elliott, yeah, are still available. Um, you know, there's still talk of Delvin Cook getting cut. Um, so, yep. I mean, you know, he, he would be at risk just because, like you said, Andrew, the numbers make it so where, you know, the Bengals really could part with him at any time now after June 1st and save quite a bit of money for, for this, this fall. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it, it'd be a crazy left turn for sure because it seems like it's pointing in the direction of him being your starter. Like Zach Taylor said, he's going to be their starter and Brian Callahan backed that up. But again, depending on his legal situation, depending on anything else the Bengals look at in training camp, that could change like Mike said. So that's also a good point is to the best of our knowledge, he will be a Bengal in 2023. Stay with us. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to sort of look ahead at some potential surprises beyond what we mentioned when we return right here on the Strictly Stripes podcast. All right, and thanks for staying with us on the Strictly Stripes podcast. We want to remind you guys to sign up for two of my favorite things, the first being our Strictly Stripes newsletter. Go to cleveland.com slash newsletters. Click on the Strictly Stripes newsletter. It's free. It's in your inbox every morning to get the best insights and reporting from me, Mike, and Andrew. And make sure you sign up for our Cincinnati Football Insider Subtext Service. I've said it before. I'm going to keep saying it. You get a two-week free trial to start. If you don't like me, you don't like Andrew, you don't like Mike, you're not hurting our feelings, Business is business, but sign up at cleveland.com slash bangles. Two-week free trial to start, $4.99 a month after that if you stick with us, which I definitely think you will. So make sure you try that out. So we talked to guys about uh, guys that are on the bubble, guys that are a toss-up as far as making the team, and then guys that we know are pretty much going to be on the team, but beyond 2023 do not have a guaranteed future and maybe have something to prove uh, in the here and now. I also forgot to ask, by the way, um, kind of going back to that, I know we talked a little bit about some of the undrafted free agents like Jackson Kirkland, Chaka Hayward, Jalen Moody. I mean, I, I think with Jackson uh, Kirkland, and I think you guys would agree with me, but I just want your thoughts on this. I would think there's a path forward for him to be a backup guard behind either Alex Kappa or Cordell Volson, right? It, it really could be, I think, if, if he does well enough in training camp. Yeah, I mean, it, it depends, I think, on on kind of how the tackle situation plays itself out. I mean, if if Lael Collins is is good and, and you feel, you know, kind of good about where he's at health-wise, there's three. Um, you know, you've got Carmen there. There's four. That might be it for tackle. So, I mean, if you like Kirkland more as a guard than you do Adenogy as a guard, um, you know, I think that you, you've got some options there because, again, you've got um, – you know, you've got some, you've got a battle at center. They have Ben Brown who's still on the roster. Uh, you got Trey Hill there. So like you need, you have backup center. You could have a backup guard. Max Sharping's still around. Like there it's, it's going to be an interesting uh, numbers game to play, but yeah, I mean, Kirkland, I think I, I, frankly, I think he's probably got the best shot of any undrafted guy to make the roster. Well, or, you know, practice squad is obviously a possibility for a lot of these players too. 
Um, you know, we really haven't seen them do much on the field, um, especially Kirkland, you know, so I, I think we have to wait and see. But, um, you know, practice squad, I think, uh, you know, you're going to have, what, it's 13 players now. So, I mean, there's a good chunk of guys that um, um, could could from that, you know, undrafted free, free agent class, a couple guys um, that could, could make that, that um, earn a spot there. When you think of the names Keandre Jones, Shaka Hayward, Jalen Moody, who do you think has the best chance to replace Clay Johnson? Because obviously he's still a free agent, but sounds like they've moved on from him. I don't know. I know you mentioned this, Mike, but I think Shaka Hayward has a really good chance to replace Clay Johnson and make the roster. What do you guys think? I, I really think that guy's a lot of upside, a lot of good numbers from Duke last year. Yeah, I mean, you know, Joe Bocci was hurt for the most of the last season, um, or I forget the week where he was back, but I mean, he could step in and have that role, and Hayward could be a practice squad player and somebody they kind of keep around uh, for depth purposes. I don't know that they necessarily need somebody on the 53-man roster to place Clay Johnston, but I think, you know, Shaka Hayward is as good a chance as anybody um, to be a special team player in this league to, to start out. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me if he impresses enough to, to at least earn a spot in the practice squad, like I've said before. Yeah, I think that, and that is a good point. You don't necessarily have to use a roster spot either, just depending on how they sort of compose everything together. Uh, but to kind of, I guess, somewhat tie this all together, and I was sort of thinking about this, and it kind of does sort of relate to what we talked about earlier. And this is maybe way too early for this, but I think these are kind of fun questions to ask. What are some of the biggest surprises you would expect from anybody on the Bengals next year? Like, I'll even throw out some prompts. Like, we mentioned Trey Hendrickson. This is a big make-or-break year for him. Like, would you be shocked if he actually not only does well, but does better than he did last year? Like, would that actually shock you guys if you saw Hendrickson put up better numbers? Well, I thought he had a, a bit of a down year last year uh, in terms of, you know, dealing with a lot of injuries. I don't think it would necessarily surprise me, um, you know, if, if he had a, if he bounced back. Um, you know, I'm not sure what falls into surprise. You know, I could see this offense, you know, having the best passing offense in the league easily. I don't know if that's a surprise, but, I mean, you know, it would be a pretty, you know, uh, decent accomplishment. Um you know, I, I don't know. Will Jamar Chase lead the league in at least one receiving category, whether it's receptions, yards, yards after catch or touchdowns? No, I, I, I've never kind of been on that train just because, um, you know, I think this team is, is so talented at receiver. I mean, you would need – I mean, if Jamar Chase does, I, I would honestly say that something has gone wrong. I know that sounds backwards, but – you know, T. Higgins is is. I mean, he's not gonna. Um, you know, he's not gonna get fifty catches, and Tyler Boyd's not gonna get fifty catches, and then everything else just goes to Jamar. Like, you know, those guys are gonna get theirs, and and that's kind of what makes this Bengals offense elite. You know, is that you've got kind of weapons all over the field, and Joe Burrow's not afraid to show uh, to uh, share the ball around, and you know, I, I just think that Jamar is always gonna have an uphill battle statistically. Um, you know, he's still gonna be among the best in the league. It's just hard for him to be you know, number one in anything because, uh, you know, I mean, you just look at the well, I mean, touchdowns. Well. That's not necessarily true because I mean, he was only like four off last year and he didn't even yeah. play in four games. Um, and, and again, I don't know. Total touchdowns. Leading the league. Yeah, I guess touchdown touchdown. Okay. So touchdowns he could do. Yeah. I, I was more or less thinking, um, catches and yards, but yeah, I guess touchdowns is possible for sure. 
But I think if he was, it wouldn't necessarily be like shocking or surprising. I mean, he's 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 uh, you know um, one of the best receivers in the league. So I mean, I I get what you're saying that that might mean there's an injury, but I don't know. To me, if he led, you know, he had 110 catches, I wouldn't necessarily be stunned. So I I don't know again if that fits that sort of uh, definition of being a potential surprise. I, I mean, because you could see scenarios where that happens, I guess. So then this is the interesting one, and this really ties back to sort of Joe Mixon's future. Would you be stunned if Joe Mixon actually had anything remotely better than what he had last year? Not Maybe not Pro Bowl level like the year before, but just better than what he had last year with Chase Brown behind him. Would I be stunned if, if he has a better year? Yeah, or like what if he runs for 1,000 yards? Like would that shock you? Well, 1,000 yards would be pretty surprising just because then, again, you get into the territory like I just kind of mentioned of like, okay, what happened to the passing game? Um, you know, like is did, did they just all of a sudden become, you know, the greatest show on turf type of, type of offense or, or what? <laughs> um, you know, Mixon played in 14 of the 16 games last year. Uh, he had 800, 814 yards. Um, you know, I think you could, I, I think that that's a fair way to say it. Running back is such a physical position, you know, 14 games feels fair. You know, if you miss two games, you know, just, you know, you sprain an ankle, you get a concussion, something like that. Um, like you, you did know, last year. That, yeah, exactly. Like, I think that there's, um, you know, I think that there's a case to be made that, you know, he can have a better year, but I, I just in, it, it would come kind of in, um, Oh, what's the word I'm looking? I guess in rate stats, you know, I guess you know he, he had 3.9 yards of carry last year. I mean, I could see him kind of getting up to 4.4, 4.3, and that wouldn't surprise me. Um, you know, if they run the ball better, they've got an improved offensive line. Uh, you know, maybe they're running with uh, lighter boxes because of the receiving core that they have. There, there's a lot of different factors there, so it wouldn't surprise me in that regard. But if you know, if he starts running for like 1,000, 1,100 yards, I think that would be uh, that would be pretty surprising to me. Yeah, so I think I'd be surprised if he made a Pro Bowl, um, you know, just because I don't think they're going to be using him as much to sort of put him in that position. So, I mean, that would all be surprising um, based on that. Yeah, and I think th- these are fun. I think we could, we could even do more of these predictions, whether it's is Cam Taylor Britt going to have, like, however many tackles. I, I think these are always fun what-if scenarios, but we'll save those for another day. I think those are the biggest ones that sort of tie into those guys we mentioned. So what are your thoughts on that? No, I think it's way too early. I think there's definitely room to talk about that now. But there's going to be a lot of room to talk about a lot of other things uh, involving roster questions, uh, projections, statistical projections, which, again, I think are a lot of fun. We'll have more on that this week. Uh, other takeaways, as we'll hear from the team tomorrow uh, after they go through their uh, voluntary workouts. But once again, for myself, Andrew and Mike, I'm Muhammad Ahmad. See you Tuesday.